This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Hey, backpackers, this is Bird Shooter. And on the show tonight, Victoria Lifshitz joins us to talk about RightOnTrack.com, a website and soon-to-be app to help hikers and backpackers plan their multi-day trips. In the podcast, Victoria tells us about her recent introduction to backpacking, how it led to her thru-hike on the John Muir Trail, and to more recent hikes in Patagonia and in the Grand Canyon. I also have a chance to ask Victoria about how her planning tools compare to some other well-known hiking apps on the market and what the future holds for her company. A quick reminder, the N2 Backpacking Podcast is now available on both Spotify and iHeartRadio. Check us out there or via your favorite podcast app. And now, here's the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Bird Shooter, and I'd like to welcome Victoria Livschitz to the show. Victoria recently dove headfirst into backpacking, and as a thru-hiker and serial entrepreneur, she has uh, just launched RightOnTrack.com, which is an interactive website for hikers and backpackers to plan and upload trips for their ventures into the wilderness. Victoria, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you, I understand that you're fairly new to backpacking. Can you uh, can you kind of tell us how you picked up the sport? So it's uh, it's now close to three years, so it, it, it doesn't look as and doesn't feel as new anymore. But it kind of happened by chance. I, uh, I grew up in Lithuania. And I spend a lot of my, uh, uh, you know, summer times foraging mushrooms, fishing with my dad. But that was like childhood. It was a long time ago. And then, you know, adult life took me in like a very different direction. And I never had a chance to backpack. I never had a chance to spend any time in mountains, even though I live in California for, uh, you know, many moons now. And I go to visit Yosemite as a tourist once in a while. But then three years ago, a little miracle happened. Um I was uh, coming off of actually fairly difficult time in, in my life. A lot of stress, a lot of a lot of things happen. I was looking for you know some inspiration to get physically active, and then uh, three of my much younger friends, I kind of heard from a grapevine that they just won a permit to hike John Muir Trail. Oh, there you go. Now I didn't know much about you know any of that. This is the first time I even heard about you know John Muir Trail. And then I got curious and, and, you know, I found it completely fascinating that somebody I know would decide to hike, you know, take two weeks off and then hike 230 miles of, you know, high Sierra uh, terrain, carrying, you know, all their stuff with them. And I was just completely fascinated. And, and they, they were ecstatic of winning the permit, which is a difficult thing to do. And they wanted for four people and there were three of them. And they were looking for the fourth partner. Now, nobody, you know, thought of coming to me. I have not walked 10 miles in the previous 10 years. Um, but I'm, I just got really intrigued. And, and uh, the more I started reading about this, the more this whole mission became, uh, you know, in a way, kind of an enigma for me. It, it seemed very impossible thing to do. And I'm a sucker for impossible. 
Um, and so I, I backed my way onto the team and they said, well, okay, if you want it so much, take a couple of months, see if you can get in shape or we'll go on a training hike. And if it looks like you can keep up, uh, you know, you can join. And, uh, that became, you know, a bit of obsession of mine. Uh, well in a self-preservation, you know, sense that was probably a good thing. I started, you know, hiking, climbing, anything that I could see, uh, you know, every day, every after work and every weekend. And uh, two months after, I kind of passed the test of the, you know, training hike. And I was officially accepted in the team. And then a few months later, we actually did go in and hike the Janmuir Trail. And that was uh, life-changing. <laughs> I kind of got really, really hooked. You picked a good one to start on. The John Muir Trail is beautiful. So, um, well done in that regard. Say that it's an, uh, some would say it's an ambitious way to have your very first backpacking adventure, you know, tackling John Muir Trail. But, yeah, it actually worked out well. So, so you mentioned you grew up in Lithuania. I'm just curious. Um, it sounds like you got into hiking later in life, but there's some beautiful mountains in Lithuania, right? It's, did you ever – can you comment on that? Have you ever hiked there? Not so much mountains. Lithuania is not a mountainous country, but there are beautiful forests. There are beautiful uh, lakes and rivers. I grew up by the Baltic Sea. Uh, there's actually wonderful hiking trails that you could take for you know tens of miles along the along the coast. Um, so there's definitely an incredible nature all around. Yeah, it's a, that's not a, so much mountains. Yeah, it's a part of the world that I haven't explored. So it's interesting to hear you comment there. Um, now you're in, I understand you're in California now. Do you, um, yeah. obviously, obviously you have some great, great hiking in your, in your backyard. Are there any, any hikes that are in, on your immediate radar to do? Well, so, you know, ever since John Muir trail hiking became a huge passion, uh, you know, love of mine and a bit of an obsession. Uh, so I tried to, you know, backpack probably two to three weekends out of every month. Um, and, uh, there's, there's enough local hikes, some of them are for backpacking opportunities. Um, I do that a lot, especially on the weekends. And then, uh, within three to five hour drive, we have our magnificent Sierra Nevada. We have Tahoe, we have Trinity Alps and Shasta area. If you go North, uh, so there is just, uh, plenty of opportunities for getting into a high country. Uh, and I try to do that as much as practical. Yeah, you, you have a lot of great options almost in every direction. I guess you can't go, you obviously can't go west because you have an ocean, but about any other direction, you've got something. Um, That's right. And then even local hills, like last Saturday, uh, me and a couple of friends did this big 30-mile hike with 7,000 feet of elevation change, and, and that's just right here, like about 30 minutes from my house. Oh, okay. And I thought I'd read somewhere, too, you did Patagonia recently, you did the uh, rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon. I actually interviewed a neighbor of mine that uh, had, had hiked that, and I think maybe it was 42 hours he did the whole thing. But um, just kind of curious, uh, what, what's been your favorite since the John Muir? Yeah, so since the John Muir, I've done a lot of uh, wonderful hikes. Patagonia was definitely a highlight. I did it over a new year, two years ago, and then my daughter joined me, which made it super special. And then uh, last year was a really big hiking year for me. For somebody who did not through hike, I put in 900 hiking miles, which is uh, a lot yeah. in uh, <laughs> in a year. Yeah, I had a chance to hike rim to rim to rim uh, over two days. So, you know, Saturday one way and, and Sunday back. Um, a lot of time in Sierra Nevada, on, on trail, off trail. Um, and then my absolutely favorite trips of all times 
happened about a month ago. I'm still under the spell. Over over Christmas, I went to Peru. Oh yeah. And awesome. I and I hiked uh, uh, what's called Asengate Trek. Okay. It's basically a circumnavigation of Asengate Massif. Asengate Mountain is uh, six and a half kilometers high, glaciated monster, but twenty one thousand feet. And there is a high altitude trail that goes between. Um, 16 and 17,000 feet with six or seven high mountain passes. Um, and it's just an absolutely incredible thing. Uh, I, I thought I've seen beautiful mountains. I've not seen anything like that before. So that's definitely a highlight. Well, once you got the bug, you definitely got it. And you're, you're not shortchanging yourself on some of these trips. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, now, wait, refresh my memory again. John Muir Trail, that happened what year? So that was a summer, August of 2017, two and a half years ago. So in two and a half years, you've done all that. That's pretty impressive. So you really did dive into this head first, huh? I I did. I'm, I I am a bit of a uh, I have a bit of an obsessive personality. If I if I get into something, uh, I, I don't understand a notion of hobby. I'm afraid uh, things things get serious very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's some hard lessons to learn out there, especially when you're when you're new to the whole experience. So I'm kind of curious on the John Muir and then. Even after, what are some what are some hard lessons you learned that you could uh, share with with some of the listeners? Oh, there is a lot. Uh, of course, trying to become you know a doorsman, uh, there, there's a very steep learning curve, and usually that I think for many people that learning curve is kind of dispersed. You know, you do it early in life, you do it incrementally, and, and mine got congested and, and kind of distilled over a very short period of time. So that, that, that learning curve was steep and it comes in multiple f- forms, if you will. One is learning about the gear, learning about, uh, you know, backpacking, supplies, my my pack on John Muir Trail weighted close to 40 pounds, of which probably 25 was a base weight. And, uh, you know, by comparison today, it would be less than 20 pounds. Uh, with, you know, base weights for a summer trip like John Muir Trail, probably somewhere around seven and a half pounds. Uh, so that's that's a dramatic difference. And it took probably four or five iterations of, uh, you know, gear builds that I've, that I've done over the years as I, as I understood better and developed better skills. Kind of gear and skills, they go hand in hand. You have little skills, you need a lot of gear. Your skills get better, you can get away with a lot more minimalistic setup. And, uh, you know, lighter gear allows you to do a lot more. Um, fitness level is at a whole different level. I think I lost somewhere close to 40 pounds and wow. had uh, really for the first time in my life became, you know, athletic in, in any sense of that word. So that was very transformative. Um, that was not an easy process, not an easy on the body. You know, a lot of mistakes, a lot of uh, injuries, a lot of uh, uh, emergency room visits. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Hopefully, you know, less of that over time. Um, So there was uh, there was quite a bit. Um, But uh, you know, I was reflecting this summer on one of the trips as I was settling down to break up the camp that it it felt very casual. Uh, You know, I felt at home, and it was sort of an amazing feeling to have that it wasn't a really very foreign environment where every second you you're kind of on your guard because you don't quite know what to do with that surrounding. You're kind of you know fully immersed at peace. Uh, you know, quite familiar with 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 all that, and and that's a great place to be in now to 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 understand how how to be out there and be, uh, you know. Uh, at ease and at peace with 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 the with the environment. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, one of the things you had to have learned is planning and how important it is. Because I, we're going to talk about your website and and, uh, and, and <laughs> how that how that came into this. But I'm curious; it's so different planning for an overnight trip versus maybe a multi-day or long-distance trip. Um, can you can you just comment on that, and and then we can maybe roll into specifically some tools that you've developed to help hikers in that sense? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. So um, I think uh, planning. Planning is very essential part of uh, uh, both enjoyment and safety uh, in the in the in the wilderness and in the backcountry. And uh, uh, part of enjoying the experience is really knowing what you are there to face. Uh, and so, doing good research is is you know one big part. Um, I think planning, in some sense, gets easier with, with more experience. Uh, and on that, the other part is you, you actually acquire acquire more skills, and part of it is more tools that make that make planning easier. But but I do think that uh, you know a quick overnight requires you know somewhat minimal planning. Uh, but if you are planning to spend the four or five days in in the high country, then there is quite a quite a few things that you you have to think through, and, and those those things constitute quite a quite a barrier for people who you know are trying to get exposed to the uh, you know to the activity, um, and 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 that's really you know in a way a segue to. Yeah, the other part of, of my life that's been dedicated to, uh, you know, to hiking, you know, at large, which is which is right on track. Yeah, let's talk about that. So, um, you know, why don't we start out with just uh, tell the listeners what you'd like them to know about about right on track the website. Sure. So let me start with the backstory. Uh, so, uh, so, so first of all, uh, by nature, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've, I've, I've started a lot of companies over the years, right on track is, is the eighth, if I, you know, if I count right. And, uh, you know, my ventures are, are, are product of passion. Uh, and I already said that I have a, you know, hard time to be half committed to anything. And so hiking had become, you know, such a big part of my life that, that for me, you know, figuring out how to combine, you know, the passion for hiking with the passion for entrepreneurship, I think it was just a matter of time. Um, so right on track is kind of kind of product of that. The, the other interesting part of right on track is that I'm, I'm one of several co-founders and my other co-founders are all my very close friends and they are the ones that are my hiking partners and they're the ones who, you know, invited me on that faithful January, you know, trip to begin with so doing it with with friends and hiking partners is uh, has has an incredible reward you know in its own right um but there is a common passion here and common i would say shared experience we all learn backpacking fairly recently even my friends and we learn it as adults and it made our lives better in uh, lots of intangible and very very direct ways and we you know believe that a lot more people like us uh, should be able to get joy of backpacking experience, but like us, the, the you know everybody has to overcome you know very formidable barriers, and you know we are lucky we live in California and and you know a lot of people have a lot you know harder access to the infrastructure. And I got lucky because my friends taught me how to do that. And many people do not have friends who are going to invite them on a big backpacking trip. So so how, how does somebody conquer, if you will, the, the barriers? Um, we have a lot of 
you know, common interest to remove these barriers and essentially open up the great outdoors to as many people as possible. Uh, I believe, you know, millions or tens of millions of people in the U.S. alone, uh, you know, could be getting out and, and going on a multi-day backpacking vacations, but, but they don't for various reasons. Uh, so we want to make it far more accessible. Yeah, now obviously with your entrepreneurial uh, history, you've probably got good resources to tech. I'm just kind of curious because I did have a chance to yeah. sign up on your site and kind of go through it. I mean, how long did it take for you to put that together? And can you just talk about the launch and, and now uh, yeah. the creation? Yeah, yeah, of course. So we, again, we're very lucky that within a small team of friends, we sort of have all the skills to pull it off. I am a senior, you know, serial founder and and, and CEO. Uh, a friend of mine and, and a co-founder, Max. He's uh, he's a uh, sort of a Silicon Valley one of one of the uh, Silicon premier Silicon Valley technologists and, and CTO of, of of large companies. So he understands engineering, you know, through and through. The third friend of of ours, she's a, a accomplished product manage, manager. Uh, and then I, I was also able, through prior exits, pro provide funding. So we have everything we need within a very, very small team. Um, and so it was fairly easy for us to put a business plan together, recruit a very, very good uh, engineering team. I think it took us about maybe nine months from concept to the first uh, alpha launch of the site, which happened uh, about a year ago. Okay, okay. And uh, we launched right on track fall of 2018. And when I think about the uh, spectrum of uh, users, and we have a lot of plans, we're just sort of in a baby, you know, baby, baby step stage. There is kind of a spectrum from people who are already hobbyists, um, already spend quite a bit of time outdoors, probably already have a lot of a lot of things that they need, kind of like us, right? People like us, uh, giving them the tools to just take the time to plan yet another trip down significantly from maybe months and weeks to you know a few hours. Um, that's kind of where we started, and a lot of our tools today are, are geared towards somebody who wants to hike, let's say, John Muir Trail. You know, it took us several months of building these spreadsheets to figure out where we start every day, where we end, where do we resupply, uh, how much elevation change per day we're going to encounter. Um, that that took a very long time. Uh, you know, using Right on Track, which is what I use when I plan my trips these days on Colorado Trail or PCT or somewhere else, you know, that, that, that goes down dramatically. It goes down to, you know, a few hours. Uh, and and that's, that, that's very helpful. Um, but there is a there is a much bigger world of people who are not um, avid backpackers, and, and ultimately that's the market that we are much more interested in. So the people who are maybe in the active tourism space, people who maybe visit national parks, and uh, uh, you know as tourists, and then they say, well, I'm in Yosemite. How cool would it be to put a backpack and go spend a long weekend here? Or if I'm visiting Great Canyon and I'm looking to this vast, you know, vast space under me, what would it feel like to strap a backpack and actually hike down and and sleep under the stars and next day come come back? Or 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 visiting Yellowstone, kind of kind of the same idea, uh, you know, saying, well, why not? And so for the last uh, six or seven months, we are very busy working on a service offering that we plan to launch uh, probably March, April in time for hiking season 2020. Okay. Uh, and that's what we call all-inclusive backpacking vacations. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and the idea of that is really 
put together everything somebody needs to, uh, you know, go out backpack. And part of it is picking a perfect itinerary where some people like to hike, you know, six, seven miles a day, and some like to, you know, blaze through 15, and some like a fairly even terrain with beautiful lakes, and some like a really difficult, you know, mountainous climbs. Um, and so you should be able to define how much time you've got, you know, how you like to hike, and it should suggest a few perfect itineraries. And then uh, beyond that, um you know, our site will offer everything that you need from step-by-step, day-by-day instructions to, you know, where to park your car, where to offer your, order your permit, you know, where to catch the shuttle when you're done with your hike, where to sleep every night, where to pick up the water, where to pick up your supplies. Uh, down to, we'll, we'll actually equip you with all the food that you need, all the cooking equipment, and all the gear that you need. So uh, you really don't need to have anything. Uh, to to execute this plan, you could subscribe, uh, you know, sign up, pick a pick a uh, you know pick a pick a trail, uh, and then two days before your departure in the place of your choosing, you you know, we'll drop the gear, we'll drop food, you'll you'll go on your adventure, you'll come back, you'll ship it back, and you're done. Yeah, is there a thought to add some guide services in there too, or is that uh, that's not in the short term plan? There are a lot of plans, and uh, uh, you know, I know that I mix uh, adventures where I go with friends and where I go solo and where I go with guides. And so, adding guided trips is very much in the plans, both sure. in terms of picking up the essentially discovering a package that has a you know guided services embedded in it, or saying that I want to do this, and then having access to guides that can be hired to take you to the you know itinerary of your choice. You know, baby steps first, but yeah. down the line, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'm curious to ask you, too, because in, in experimenting with your site there, it, it did seem like it was very geared to backpackers, not hikers, and more to people doing multi-day long-distance trails. Is, is that is that fair to say, or is that not it's necessarily? It absolutely is, yes. Okay. Yes, it's very fair to say. That is really market that we're going after. People, there is a ton of people who are enjoying day hikes, who are trail runners, and I think there's a lot of great tools that allow you to discover that of apps like Old Trail or the Hiking Project by REI, uh, Guy, and, and there's really a lot of great ways to discover trails. Uh, we want to take it, you know, way to the next stage, which is take care of all the logistics that goes into pulling off the multi-day backpacking trips. Yeah, there is a lot that goes into it, actually, especially if you're out there for, you know, f- five days or more. So, um, you know, you have a good point. I noticed... Um, I noticed you had some international trails, uh, but a lot of the trails were in the United States. I mean, is the is the focus the U.S. to start and then migrate to international, or can you just comment on that? Yeah, yeah, of course. So yeah, no, the, the ambitions are are are, are link the globe and, and and go globally, both in terms of the trail coverage and access to guided services and infrastructure and uh, um, you know the users. But we're a startup. We have to we have to start somewhere, and we're mostly focusing on. Well, we're exclusively really focusing on uh, U.S. trails. We've we've added some of the other popular ones. We'll we'll be adding them uh, kind of as a background thread, if you will. Uh, but the main focus is uh, U.S. trails. Um, both U.S. Uh, uh, U.S. people living in the U.S. And, uh, and people who are coming to visit the U.S. And a lot of people are coming to visit 
the U.S. and, and to hike. And I think in some sense they, they need logistical support even more. Um, I read statistics that something like up to maybe 50% of people who hike PCT are, uh, are, are foreigners. Oh, yeah, interesting. And one thing that we haven't even touched on, which I think is really important here, is it's a free service, correct? At least at this point. So the uh, the idea is generally there is a few like underlining principles that uh, that you know we the founders subscribe to and want to embed in our services, and one is accessibility and affordability. Um, and so to the to the extent possible, we're gonna have as many services essentially free and clear as possible. Um, and today, all the hike planning is free. Um, some things come at cost. For example, food. I mean, I think it's fairly mm -hmm. obvious that we cannot provide, uh, you know, physical goods like like food and gear rental for free. Uh, but those really the mechanisms by which we, you know, will will make money as a as a commercial venture. Um, and uh, and as much of uh, you know as much of other uh, other services and information uh, that can be delivered free, we'll, we'll try to do that. Um, the, even when we look at gear rental, food rental, and, and other, you know, paid for services, we are working extremely hard to make it very affordable to, to everyone, um, and really have it a very wholesome, but also significantly cheaper alternatives to just about any other form of vacation that you can, that you can think of. Um, we also have a big focus on, uh, preservation of environment. Uh, you know, as big users of the outdoors and trails, we subscribe to uh, leave no trace principles ourselves. And if we are going to be the ones who are going to introduce lots and lots of people to the outdoors, then we kind of have a responsibility to introduce them to how to use it responsibly and how to minimize impact uh, on the environment. So, you know, embedded in our services and the product definitions are all the different ways in which we could do that, you know, in the most responsible way. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's uh, admirable. Thank you. I think it's important for me to say that any venture, you know, needs to be commercial. Well, I guess there are nonprofit nonprofit efforts as well, but but you know, by the structure of the corporation, you know, that is something that 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 does need to be sustainable in a financial sense. But unlike many companies that I've started before, even though they were all you know, a product of, you know, passion and love. This one in particular is kind of a very meaningful social project. And 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 me and my friends share the same same attitude here. That we, we're not starting it to, you know, to, to make money. We are starting it primarily to figure out how to, you know, make this, this great outdoors accessible to as many people as possible. And so that's really the the fundamental driver, you know, behind it. And that's what makes it so much fun. Yeah, and so I mentioned to you, I did play around with the the website some. Uh -huh. I, I generated, you know, some topo and profile maps, which I okay. thought that was pretty cool, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But I, I noticed to get the data into your phone, you you can generate the data, but then you've got to upload it right now into your mobile phone on a, I guess it's mm -hmm. called a GPX file, right? I mean, you, you don't right. currently have a mobile app, is that right? So there's a couple of things here going on. First of all, we do not have mobile app. That is something that we are working on. And everything that we are doing on the website, which is which runs on mobile phone today, but it's more of a mobile web, we are working on the apps. So some of the apps will start appearing in 
2020 and we'll probably catch up with just about anything that you could do on the website you could do on a mobile phone somewhere around 2021 uh, but the other part of it is that the advantage of having something like that working on the phone is that it's one thing to plan when you're sitting at home and uh, and it's another thing than when you're actually walking the trail and uh, you know all plans will change and as you are navigating through the actual trail during the uh, you know during the trip then the advantage of a mobile phone is that you can work on a disconnected mode and so that's a big change in system capabilities we will absolutely get there but we cannot get there you know immediately overnight so our our initial strategy is really integration you can plan using our software and then you can create and export uh, the gpx file which you can then upload to any navigation tool of your choice something like gaia for example a lot of people use gaia um and so then on trail you use somebody else's tools and and for planning you, you use right on track uh, that buys us enough time, if you will, uh, so that in the future we can, uh, uh, you know, create the right services that will deliver right to you on the trail. Yeah, that was one of the big questions I had for you because when I did the Appalachian Trail, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, planning is certainly a big part of the fun of it. You know, it's as much fun to plan a trip as it is to actually do it, right? Yes, but, absolutely. Yeah, but That's you know, how you get through the winter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really is. What I noticed, though, in my experience on the AT was that, um, you know, the plans quickly go out the window on a multi-day, yep. multi yep. long-distance trip, right? And so one of the questions I had for you was how, how does someone adjust – their customized yeah, trip right on the fly so, right yep so we'll we'll get there just give us a little bit of time we'll get there okay okay i understand that's today fair today people use today people use tools like Godhook, right yep, to, yep. Got that. That, that, that's pretty much the pervasive tool for for through hikers that people would use and we think that someday uh, you know right on track we'll, we'll simply subsume all that functionality but um uh, we can't get there right away. Yeah, so let, let's talk about Gut Hook because I wanted to talk about both Gut Hook and All Trails. I know you're familiar. Yep. Um, yes. You know, I'm, I'm just kind of curious how you see uh, yourself compared to those applications because both of them are very popular. I think in a different way. Yes. You know, All Trails yes. is probably more the, you know, the hiker all around. You know, sometimes I'm out for a day. Sometimes I'm out there for you know maybe a quick overnight gut hook seems like it's more oriented to long distance hikers yep. um mm -hmm. their business models to me are different right they're they're essentially yes, they're charging both subscription based yes, yeah they're yeah, charging yeah. money yeah yep. and you, you seem like your your intent is to not make money off of uh, selling maps or access to data but so much uh, essentially become an affinity network where when people plan a trip they buy their products and things through you and you make your money that way um, but let That's me absolutely yeah yeah. I, I shouldn't yeah, be taking words out of your mouth here. I'll let you speak <laughs> to that. Yes, you're you're right. So so first of all, we we love and use uh, uh, both uh, all trails and 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 Godhook, um, and you know their success is you know paving way for successful you know products and services like ours. But we really have a a, a different aim. We don't look at ourselves as the app company we are we're in the we're in the logistics business if you will and so our aim to really become the platform where somebody can discover the trails that they want and uh, uh, and plan all aspects of their of their trips 
um, and uh, and then execute it. And, and all of that we, we, we are planning to, to, to deliver free. Um, and again, if we're successful, then someday that 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 should subsume, you know, functionality of tools like 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 uh, uh, Alltrail or Gathook or, or or Gaia, uh, which is another I, I would add to the you know top three that 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 most people use, and it's also subscription based. Okay. Uh, but really, where where we are, we are much more on the service delivery side. There are things that people you know need to buy, and they are supplies, they are gear, they are. Um, you know, maybe support services, for example, in, in all of the all-inclusive vacations uh, packages that will be included a uh, rental of enriched device. And part of it is that uh, there's always somebody listening. There is always somebody monitoring you. If you get in trouble, you can always, you know, send message to somebody who will know what to do with it, uh, you know, help you on, along the way or, or help you get you out of a difficult situation or, or you know, should the need arise, call, call and coordinate SAR requests. Um, so that that's an example of uh, you know service that will cost some money the the support or it will be embedded in some some sort of packages. Okay. So that that's that's the idea. So I wanted to ask you because I, I actually did some consulting work for All Trails uh, and uh-huh. uh, I I've, so I to this day use their app and I do use Guthook as well for my especially for the Appalachian Trail related hikes I do. Mm-hmm. Um, one one thing that I like about both those apps is that they mm-hmm. um, have a lot of user feedback, which I think is yes. as valuable as the, the information they provide yes. themselves, uh, especially in the case of Guthook where you're getting specific details about a trailhead or a campsite or a water source um, yes. in, in, and in real time, right, as people go through. Yes. Um, can you comment on that? That, you know, what what yes. what is your thought there in terms of how you might incorporate that functionality, which I think is very important. Yes. So crowdsourcing is hugely, hugely important. And it's absolutely road. We need to do a few things before we could do that. If you actually go to our kind of a hike marketplace today, you will actually see a lot of itineraries. And those are the itineraries that people have created. You know, we did not create them. So what people do is they create their hike plans with with right on track and then they and then they publish them. And as part of creating your, uh, your 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 plan, you can you can add things like campsites, supply stores, and whatnot. And so some of the uh, information is getting into the system already this way. Uh, but those are, uh, I would say, you know, super baby steps. There's a couple of things that we are working on as an underlining technology that we need to finish before we can open it up to up to to a much wider audience. One is we are working on the kind of a underlining mapping technology that will make it a lot easier for people to define their own routes today all the routes and right on track much like in old trail or or uh, um, you know gut hook somebody defines these things for you uh, and then people can comment on it or augment it we're gonna give people ability to crowdsource essentially uh, you know at a much bigger scale you know the creation of uh, creation of trail data if you will. Um, so for that, we need to make some changes on the on the, on the back end and some some uh, data harvesting tools. The the second part of it is uh, the disconnected mode on the phone. So that 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 that's essential prerequisite so that people can, you know, in real time uh, collect that data if not transmit that data, and then figure out how to transmit that data in the you know when they get a connection. So those are the things that we are working on. Uh, I don't think they'll be there in 2020, uh, but you know 2021. Uh, I hope a lot of that will start coming to market. 
Yeah, you know, honestly, I, 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 what I thought was pretty cool was you had some routes and some um, information that other other hikers, and I'm sh- I assume that you know these individuals, mm-hmm. but had, had uploaded your site. I thought it was pretty cool yeah. how you could essentially upload their whole exactly plan right and then um essentially replicate yeah. it i thought that was pretty cool actually yeah. i do see a lot yeah, of value you can in upload that. your whole whole plan and that's kind of the whole point because rather than being a piece in a piecemeal service right we want to give people kind of complete packages of things both for inspiration and for like a starting point it's a lot easier to you know pick up something that somebody had already done and then copy it and then start editing it yeah um we're also planning a lot of tools for like collaboration. If a bunch of people are going together, uh, give them a you know Google Doc-like functionality where they can collaborate on on you know creation of a track. Because there is actually this very interesting dynamics where it's it's a collaborative activity, right? Hiking. Some people hike solo, and and I do maybe half of my hikes as solo hikes and half of my hikes in a group. Um, and sometimes there is actually like a leader who wants to put together a, a trip for others. Um, and there's a lot of that as well. So we, we want to increasingly incorporate those capabilities. So a lot of exciting stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. 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 It sounds like it. I'm curious to ask you too. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, you can point fingers at a lot of, a lot of websites, the podcasts, even YouTube videos, right? Just the fact mm-hmm. that there's so much information out there now about mm-hmm. specific sites and potentially specific mm-hmm. trails or sites that, um, mm-hmm. might now become very popular that in the past would have never even been heard of. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, can you comment about how just, you know, maybe the responsibility of all of us collectively, um, video, uh, audio, and even, you know, web to um, not create an environment where areas get um, overrun? Or is it even possible, Right. Yeah, so this this is a very big one, actually, on kind of a social responsibility, especially for people who, you know, by by choice or by accident become kind of curators, right, of the access to the great outdoors. Um, you know, example, I found a fascinating track, uh, fascinating discussion recently about whether or not people should publish high routes, right? High routes are essentially, you know, ways to traverse the mountains, which are not trails, um, and uh, there's a movement in recent years by people like Andrew Skarka and, and uh, some of the other uh, explorers to define uh, some of these routes. And then it's, it's a controversial topic because if you define a route, you do that to encourage usage, you encourage usage, you know, it will become a trail, you know, what was once to become a trail, you know, it, it, uh, uh, it, you know, destroys, you know, what you started. And then you look at trails like John Muir Trail, um, where the lottery had become, you know, ridiculously impossible to get a permit. And there's more and more parks and trails that are permit based. I mean, PCT rules, right, this year have become much more draconian. Uh, it's very difficult these days to obtain to even PCT permit, and for a good reason, uh, because, uh, uh, you know, it's great to see so many people getting in the outdoors, but there is definitely an impact that is to be considered. So none of these are simple social issues. Uh, you know, we at Right on Track try to reason around this to, to the best of our ability and uh, find ways to, uh, you know, partly educate um, our customers. So we're looking for ways to embed information in uh, uh, materials that they receive. They, they, like, teach them or point them out to the resources to get educated. 
part of it is embedded in the services. For example, one of the things we are we are trying to figure out for our food service, how do you minimize single-use plastic? Hmm. Uh, and that's a difficult thing to do on a commercially reasonable reasonable basis. Um, uh, something that is useful and something that is not both terribly expensive or terribly heavy, right? You sort of can't beat it, but you also don't want to perpetuate, uh, you know, creation of it. So we're looking, you know, to the extent possible into minimizing that. Uh, when that's not possible, we'll probably embed in the service offering uh, essentially an offer where you come back from the hike take all of your garbage, which is uh, single use, you know, difficult to dispose and ship it back to us along with your gear and, and, and we'll, we'll dispose of it on, on your behalf. So this, this is some examples of things that we, you know, we are, we, we are trying to kind of embed in the, in the, you know, definition of, of going outdoors. Yeah. I mean, I think you could also argue too, by providing um, hikers and backpackers more options that you're going to spread out the use um of uh, activity on these trails. I think a good example, and I don't know how familiar you are with some of the long distance trails in the, in the uh, Southeast, but the Bartram trail, the um, Benton Mackay trail, even the Foothills trail in mm-hmm. the South, they're three really good um, examples of trails that are, are great alternatives to the Appalachian trail. So, um, you know, maybe by you having more uh, alternate routes, you will help, you know, in some degree yeah, spread the problem. Yeah, there out. is, yeah, there is there is that for sure. Uh, like uh, you know, John Muir Trail is a fantastic trail, but I think the obsession that people have with it is you know long become somewhat unhealthy. There are plenty of amazing alternatives uh, to John Muir Trail, which is just as good and and arguably better. Uh, but people don't know about this. So right, things right. become very bifurcated. Popular things get all the attention and less popular things get none of the attention. So yeah, I would agree that popularizing other trails and making them more accessible, you know, hopefully is going to yeah, at least spread the effort a little bit better. Yeah, Victoria, we're counting on you for that. So uh, help <laughs> us out here. That's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> we'll do our best. Uh, <laughs> but we need help. And, you know, inviting me on this podcast and, and giving me a platform to talk about this, I really, really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. So you teed me up perfectly for some closing questions. Um, first, your website obviously focuses a lot on long-distance trails. So I got to ask you, is there anything in your immediate future? Oh, gosh, I hope so. <laughs> Uh, so I have, uh, I have, I have a job, um, that's besides right on track where I am, uh, you know, a founder and principal investor and you could say chief evangelist, but, uh, you know, operationally, I'm not a CEO or, or, or executive of the company. We have, we have team who is working on it. Uh, but I do work for one of the other companies that I started before in a full-time capacity. And so unfortunately, you know, taking a very long time to go, you know, hike really big trails is this year is certainly not in the, certainly not in the works. Uh, so I, I, I plan some, uh, uh, ski expeditions in Grand Teton in a couple of months and, and hopefully a, a, a trip to Alaska this summer and maybe some, some, some Alps in the, you know, later in the summer, but those are like, you know, maybe, maybe a week at the time, you know, a week and a couple of weekends. Uh, now I do hope to be able to take sabbatical, you know, from all of that pretty soon. And I have my eyesight set on PCT. Time is always the hardest thing to get, right? <laughs> the most valuable resource. 
Hey, I have to ask you. I have to ask yeah. you about Alaska, though. Is this your first trip there? Yeah, yeah first time in Alaska. Oh, oh my God. Brooks Range, yes. Man, first time. that sounds awesome. I've, I've made three trips. That is by far one of the most exciting states I think we have in America. So I'm sure you'll have a wonderful time, especially Brooks Range. That's legit. You're out there, right? Yeah, that's that's the idea. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Yeah, so that's like bush plane. You're taking a bush plane in and getting dropped off, or have you put yeah. this together? Yes. Wow. Yes. No, I'm I'm going with a group on this one. Wow. I think you probably want to go as a group in the Brooks Range, right? Being out there by yourself. Oh, that's 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 definitely. it's yeah. a little different than hiking on the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. Speaking, you know, speaking of doing things that are, you know, somewhat responsible. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, going out there at least for the first time is definitely something I'll do with the team. Hey, so I got to ask you, um, and, and you can give me this answer either for a short trip or a long, what, what is, I like to ask this of, of, uh, all mm-hmm. the podcast, uh, uh, guests, the one piece of gear that you, uh, can't go without while you're on the trail. Well, there's a lot of things you can't completely go without but i can tell you what is my kind of a you know latest latest discovery as of this year so as you know i, I always I, I continuously find ways to uh discover new usage of things or experiment with different things and uh you know this summer i have started to go without a traditional tent oh. i have switched to i've switched to uh, a combination of bv and uh, and tarp okay uh and a very small minimalistic tarp and of course sierra is a fantastic place in the summertime uh you rarely need tarp uh, you know and if there is no rain forecast I, I, i've gone several times without tarp at all just just with bv so the concept of um uh, um, uh, you know, cowboy camping, uh, and stargazing and be, you know, fully and completely immersed in the environment, you know, 24 by seven. I find it fascinating. So I'm, I'm definitely a, a convert to that. <laughs> That's a lot harder to pull off in the Southeast. Let me tell you. Yeah, I, I, I understand. Yeah. So it's, it's West specific somewhat. Yeah. Much drier climate. Um, I did want to ask you too, you know, in your, in your, uh, and your experience hiking since the John Muir, you want to give us your best and worst from the trail? Best, best day you've ever had out there and your most miserable. I'm always curious to ask people that. <laughs> uh, so the best, oh, I don't know. They're all awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean, most of the days were, you know, difficult, but you know, delighted the day that I remember, how about this? The day that is by far the most memorable of, uh, you know, of that trip is, uh, the day that I've, uh, uh, that I've climbed Forrester Pass. Okay. So Forrester is the, uh, Forrester is the, you know, second highest pass on John Muir Trail, uh, apart from, uh, Mount Whitney itself. It stands at, uh, I think it's 13.2 or 13.6. I, I don't remember some, you know, one of the two, um, and, uh, you know, if you're going from Yosemite Valley, uh, then this is the highest pass that, that you're going to cross. And uh, it's very bare. All of this is above tree line. It looks like, you know, road to Narnia. Um, and, <laughs> I love you know, that, that series. Day, I, I was actually alone on the trail. You know, uh, that day I was separated from my group. Uh, you know, my three buddies were a uh, few hours behind me. Um, I had to briefly exit the trail and, 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 and re-enter with, with resupplies. Um, and so they were catching up to me. 
and there's a long slog of about, I don't know, seven miles or so, uh, when you're going from 10,000 feet to, you know, 13.2 or something like that. And usually John Muir Trail is pretty busy trail. So that particular day, uh, it was a thunderstorm and it was raining and it was, uh, you know, roaming and it was hailing and there was nobody on the trail. And I thought that my friends will catch up to me, you know, fairly early in the day. That did not happen until the very end, almost near the top. So I was slugging in this rain. I was wet. I was cold. Uh, at one point in time, there was still uh, uh, there was still snow on the trail, and I lost the trail, and I ended up going up and very uncomfortably uh, on the snow covered. Uh, uh, turns out to be false trail and I and I got to the local hill and it turns out that there is no trail and I had to turn around and come back it was getting late uh, so so all that was extremely stressful I was afraid of lightning there was absolutely nowhere to hide so we got to the to the top of the pass together which was a huge relief and you know felt like accomplishment we you know we rolled down we 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 stayed for the night few few miles down the road uh, but that, you know, stress of the day and the cold and the wind uh, sort of caught up with me and I got a case of hypothermia. Uh-huh. Uh, and I had no idea what it was. You know, it was my very first trip. I didn't know much at all. And my friends didn't know much either. And that was, you know, what followed was the most miserable night <laughs> of my life by, oh, by far. And luckily by morning, you know, big, beautiful sun came out and, uh, you know, and, and, and washed all that away. Uh, but that that ascent up to Forrester and the night after that it certainly stands out as as uh, as a very challenging uh, you know very challenging experience. Now I can't wait to go back and uh, you know and you know rematch with Forrester is definitely something on my, on my list. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to you have to take the good with the bad, right? I mean, you're going to get both, but uh, you know the the bad days just uh, for some reason it just makes you tougher. You almost remember it more, you know. But, oh, uh, it's definitely a highlight. I mean, it was it was it was difficult experience, but it's also we're funny. You know, humans are funny creatures. That's the stuff that we remember. You know, the most for the longest. Yeah. Uh, and those are the things that stand in your memory and 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 make it so you know so amazing to do things like that. Yeah, no, agreed. So, um, other than rightontrack.com, how how can <laughs> the listeners kind of keep tabs on your travels going forward? Where can they find you? Oh, yeah. So, uh, so we try to, you know, we try to be social. And so both on Facebook for Ride on Track and for Instagram, um, we try to post something, you know, a couple of times a day. And part of it are, you know, news from the hiking community that we try to amplify and part of it are trip reports. So most of my, you know, trips are, you know, one way or another documented in our, you know, Facebook and Instagram posts. So please, you know, get connected with us and follow us. Okay. And, um, you know, just any final thoughts, any takeaways for listeners? If they, if they should remember one thing from this entire conversation, what, what should they remember? Get out there more often, backpack more, find a way to integrate backpacking to everyday life. Uh, it's, you know, maybe difficult to do, you know, abstractly, but if it becomes, you know, important enough, it, it's, you know, it enriches life and in so many different ways. So, you know, get out more, do I, more. I would agree. concur 100%. <laughs> hey, well, Victoria. And, and check out Ride on Track because uh, we have a lot of tools that could give you inspiration today. 
Um, and as we continue to go down on our mission, we will roll out hopefully more and more exciting tools to uh, make that more and more accessible. I'll be testing them out. Thank you for uh, joining the podcast. And if you, you know, it sounds like you get to Atlanta for work from time to time. If you ever want to get, grab lunch and just compare notes on uh, trails or your coming trip to Alaska, I'd be happy to uh, to meet up with you. So just let me know. It's a, it's a date. Next time I'm planning to be in Atlanta, I'll give you a holler. You know, if you can get to me and the traffic doesn't hold you up for three hours uh, in the connector. <laughs> Well, try to figure something out. Thanks for the invite. Which which is why we go hiking, to get away from that, right? Exactly. You know what? I've never hiked an Appalachian Trail yet. And every time I go to Atlanta, I tell myself I need to bring my gear, take the Saturday Sunday off, and go to at least, like, start, right? Absolutely. Uh, anyways, haven't done that yet. So maybe maybe you could, you know, take me out hiking on a Saturday. Just don't do it in the middle of the summer, because I won't go with you. <laughs> That's the only thing okay. I would say. That's more Sounds of a good. fall through spring activity in the South. So, uh, well, thank you again for being on the show, and um, best of luck to you. I'll keep checking out your uh, site here and see how you come along. Thank you Absolutely. very much for having me. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Into Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also download shows directly from intobackpacking.com. Just click the podcast tab on the main menu. Music for this show was provided by Jarrus under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. This show is a production of N2 Backpacking and is copyrighted by N2 Ventures Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at N2Backpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number two, backpacking.com. <laughs>